sedih Good morning. Welcome to Men's Roundtable. Glad you're here. It ain't my fault. Woo! Not my fault. So I understand there was a mutiny last week. I leave. I'm gone one Thursday, and Jeff gets the microphone and takes over. Wow. Fortunately for me, he ran a nomination, kind of like they've been doing in the in the house up in Washington. He ran, ran Roan out there. Well, that's not going to work if Roan never shows up on time, Jeff. So he can close us, but he can't start us. Guys, I am tickled to be back here. Just spent a week in South Dakota. Yeah, Phil asked me, and it was best trip ever. Eleven, I was in South Dakota pheasant hunting, honoring the memory of three fine men, one of which used to be on the coffee team here, Max Tullis, another guy named Forrest Friday, died of a massive heart attack, and another guy passed away earlier this year. His son was with us. First time he'd ever hunted, 21 years old. Um, Colton, just a baby, 6'4", baby. What a wonderful time for us to love on him and tell stories about his dad and just be with him. It was great. It was great. I was thinking uh, Tuesday, driving back from the coast, doing a little work down there. Bible verse out of John came to mind. First John, I think it is. About the vine. The vine and the branches. Jesus telling he's the vine. We're the branches. We've been pruned. Sometimes we wither. What does it mean to be attached to the vine? How do you find that? Curious, anybody? How do you find the attachment to the vine? Through Christ. Through Christ. Roots, okay. Anybody else? I don't know the answer. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm looking for somebody to kind of help guide me in that. My understanding of it <clears throat> was what happens in this room. Phil teaches us pretty often and what happens here and what happens in the smaller groups and what happens at deer camp is Jesus with skin on it. Seeing Jesus in my brother's eyes, being able to share that experience with each other. Men being men with men. If you don't have that connection, the intimate connection with another man, intimate as Phil often describes as in to me, see if you can't see what's inside me and i can't see what's inside you we probably don't have that intimate connection that's what we were designed for it has nothing to do with sex it has to do with connection and that connection comes from vulnerability where do you go to find that deer camp you got one of those coming up two weeks two weeks be a good time to register there's a QR code on the bottom of the handout. You can register just by shooting it with your phone. We say all the time, if you haven't been, we suggest you go. Larry, I'm going to put you on the spot. What do you think about it? You've been as an alumni and you've been a first timer. It was a life changing experience for me. Um, I've been in recovery for years and I thought I'd add a lot of other things. When I told 
Isn't that awesome? Gary? Yeah, I'm putting you on the spot. Yes, sir. What was your experience from Deer Camp? It is awesome. John Michael, driving over from Vicksburg to be here this morning. Yes. What was your experience at Deer Camp? Yeah, it was life changing for me. Life changing? Yes, sir. What else do you need to know? What else do you need to know? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity of gathering here. Lord, I thank you for my brothers in the room. I thank you for Phil. Thank you for ceasefire, Lord, allowing us to gather here to share this hour. Lord, thank you for the work you did on the cross. In your name we pray. Amen. Let me say one more thing, please. 7.45, we've got to be out of here this morning. Please exit as quickly as possible. They've got a training session. Starts at 8 o'clock. Thank you. Morning, gentlemen. I'd like to announce that the University of Tennessee has decided to only play one half of football. Uh, we get tired in the second half. We're going to cut it, cut out that second half and just play the first half. So I'm okay with that. First half was good. Yeah, the first half was great. That's why we're going to go to just one half, you know. And I'm, and I'm thinking about writing a new book uh, kind of uh, to take off on a Charles Dickens novel, The Tale of Two Cities. It'll be The Tale of Two Halves. Tell of two halves. Uh, glad we can be together this morning, gentlemen. I'm excited about um, what God has uh, uh, laid on my heart uh, to share with you and uh, trust that uh, he will feed us well uh, this morning. Um, I want to share a song with you, um, as we traditionally do. And again, through this whole series, uh, Imagination, What If?, um, I've been um, uh, looking for big songs, is what I call it, just big songs, songs that really uh, awaken and arouse our heart, um, and I have um, another big song for you. Today's title that we're looking at, Imagination, What If, is Be the Lion, Agents of Change. And so we'll tease that out as we go along. And in that um, um, theme, I wanted to offer you a song um, by Elevation Worship called The Lion. Now, we've um, played this before, so this is a redo. Uh, but um, most of you wouldn't remember it anyway. I know, I know how that works. Um, follow with me uh, as I read just the um, first portion of this song, Lion by Elevation Worship. 
God of Jacob, great I am, King of angels, son of man, voice of many waters, song of heaven's throne, louder than the thunder, make your glory known. Hell, hell, line of Judah, let the lion roar. Hell, hell, line of Judah, let the lion roar, 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 roar. May you hear the voice of God and may he wake, uh, awaken our hearts to what he has for us this morning. Lion by Elevation Worship. I'm sure you're all aware of the fact that... Wrong, wrong one. Son of man. 
Amen, amen, amen. Imagination, what if? Be the lion, let the lion roar. Uh, that's intended to capture our imagination. Uh, God uses metaphors, pictures. Uh, the picture is of a lion uh, in order for us to have a, a clearer picture of Jesus. It's not a kitty cat. It's a lion. Be on the alert. Stand firm in your faith. Act like men. Be strong. The words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Follow with me as we read our introductory paragraph. As we continue our series, Imagination, What If? Be the lion. Agents of change. Faith is an act of the imagination. And a healthy, vibrant imagination is crucial to the Christian life. And again, just the idea of a lion uh, to create some sense of understanding of the power of Jesus. Imagination is not the opposite of reality or the enemy of truth. I mean, I can hear you know, theologians arguing, well, Jesus is not a lion. He's a person. The God is, is not a lion. No, it's a lion. You know, and you get into these crazy arguments over metaphors. It's a metaphor. Jesus is not a lion, a four-legged animal, but God's given us the imaginative picture of what Jesus is through a lion. Come on. Be a little more childlike in your faith. The real threat is a lack of imagination or an imagination stunted or misshaped by our experience. I want you to think about that for a minute. You know, the more that you have been wounded, hurt, traumatized, the more you fail, you lose your imagination because then you start thinking, I got to control it and you grow long fingernails, you know, and you dig your fingernails into it and you try to control it because you're hurt. And it's like C.S. Lewis says, I can't remember the exact quote, but C.S. Lewis has this great quote, something to the effect that if you don't want to be hurt, close your heart. But if you close your heart to hurt, you also close your heart to love. You can't have it both ways. To open your heart to love is also to risk being hurt. That's my paraphrase of C.S. Lewis. He says it far more eloquently than I can say it. Some of us are stuck in, if only, living marked by regret, feelings of guilt, fear, doubt, and how in the wide, wide world of sports I left out shame in that list. What, what was I thinking? You know, put in shame right there. But God can turn your if only mindset into a what if attitude where your faith looks forward to the future with holy confidence. I'm ready for another day, Lord. I'm ready for another day. What if? What if you've got something big in store for me this day? I believe that. Every day is an opportunity. The Bible calls us to adopt an active imagination 
that helps us look beyond our experience like those who modeled a fearless faith before us. Imagination, what if? Now, normally, what I ask you to do is pick up a pen and we do some journaling, and we're going to do that here in just a minute. But before we do that, um, I want you to turn over to Romans chapter 8, and Jeff's going to put it up here on the screen, because this is the passage that we're looking at today. And this is um, right out of Romans 8. This is such an exciting passage that is so often read really fast like you get down to this portion of romans 8 and then if you're reading the whole chapter what you do is you speed up and you kind of slur this so nobody can really understand what you're saying because it's a hard passage because what is introduced in this passage is predestination now i know some of you don't believe in predestination really you know you don't get that option it's like saying i don't believe in jesus i believe in god but I don't believe in Jesus. Well, if you believe the Bible, you have to believe in predestination. The question is not whether or not it's biblical, but what you believe about it, because all kinds of different views out there on predestination. But you don't get the option not to believe in predestination. Now, the problem is most of you that don't believe in predestination are really uh, believing in fatalism. And I don't believe in fatalism. There's a purpose here. And there's a purpose maker. So let's read the passage. I'm going to read it out of the message, and I'm going to read it out of several other translations. This is uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 29. This is such a great passage. Um, and again, this whole series, we've been looking at Romans 8. If there's one chapter that you really want to master in all the Bible... Romans 8 would be a good choice. There's other great chapters, of course, but this would have to be in my top five uh, for sure. Romans 8, verse 29. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He had a plan. He didn't just go out there randomly. Isn't that great? Everything is in order. Nothing happens outside of God's sovereign plan. Nothing. He decided. Now, I know that makes some of you very nervous. He decided. What did he decide? From the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. So his son and those that he has chosen are intended to be lions, to use our metaphor. The Son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. After God made that decision of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name. Joe, Jeff, calling by name. And then after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. Now, Eugene Peterson, newspaper English Eugene, which I love, did not use the word predestined. It's all over that. 
But let me read you the same passage out of several other translations. Out of the ESV translation, which is the best study Bible version um, that I would recommend. So if you're really going to go buy a new Bible today, what I would recommend is you get a parallel version with the message on one side in the ESV or the English Standard Version on the other. So you've got a newspaper English so you can understand it, and then you've got a very um, true to the original language on the other side. ESV, English Standard Version. This passage says this in the ESV, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among, among many brothers. He foreknew, he predestined, he conformed, he brought it to completion that men and women would become lions. They would be like Jesus. He had it all planned. The Amplified Version says this, For those whom he foreknew and loved and chose beforehand, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son and ultimately share in his complete sanctification so that he would be the firstborn, the most beloved and honored, among many believers, that he would get first and foremost position to those that God foreknew, predestined, and completed their sanctification. Now that's a, that's a lot of words right there. Moreover, we know that to those who love God, who are called according to his plan, now this is ver starting on verse 28, according to his plan, everything that happens fits into a pattern for good. God in his foreknowledge chose them to bear the family likeness of his son to be like lions, that he might be the eldest of a family of many brothers. He chose them long ago. Well, that makes some of us very uncomfortable, and it makes others of us very comfortable. He chose them long ago. When the time came, he called them. He made them righteous in his sight and then lifted them to the splendor of life as his own sons. We are the splendor of Jesus, a reflection of him. We are lions. We are to be lions. The New Living um, Translation, which is another newspaper English translation that I love, uh, really good to start reading that when you're beginning to understand the Bible. Uh, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Predestination. I love that doctrine. I love that doctrine. Um, Carla and I had the uh, privilege of sitting in a seminar in 1985 with R.C. Sproul in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. And Ligonier uh, is R.C. Sproul's ministry that is now based out of Florida. 
And when Carla and I were there in 1985, it was the last seminar that R.C. Sproul did in Ligonier, Pennsylvania, just north of Pittsburgh, before he moved Ligonier, uh, the, the ministry, not the town, uh, to Orlando, Florida. And now Ligonier Ministries is based out of Orlando, Florida. And there were boxes every place because he was packing it up. So when he finished that seminar on Friday night, they were moving on Saturday. I want to show you a portion of that seminar, and it was on predestination. Watch this. I'm sure you're all aware of the fact that it's a maxim in the United States, the, a law of our national heritage, that we never discuss religion and politics. But any time two Americans sit down and have a discussion, it inevitably leads to matters of religion and politics. And any time that there's a discussion on religion, sooner or later, and most often it's sooner, the discussion focuses on some element of the doctrine of predestination. It's one of those things that, at, at, that mystifies us, and at the same time it stimulates our minds and, and the bewilderment that we experience in the face of the concept of predestination uh, sometimes will encourage us to dig more deeply into theology and it's just one of those subjects that generates a lot of interest and discussion. All right, Jim, and also slide, slide it over. All right, I want to show you something and, right here. <clears throat> to about the three uh, and a half minute mark, 350 or so, Jeff can uh, slide that over. Um, all right, show that part, Jeff. Just keep going. Uh, and that is... Keep, keep going to where you see the left side of the, of the room. Treated. His, his left. Great caution. Keep sliding it over. It's a dangerous subject because us. And that is. Keep going. Got to get it a little farther. We try six lectures of approximately half an hour each one. Can't possibly do anything but skate over the surface of this. There are so many related questions that are provoked by any study of predestination. Slide it over. That this, I'm convinced, okay. requires uh, in-depth study that will take years and years okay. and years before we can ever hope to get to the bottom of it. And so I'm looking at this course as an introduction to the doctrine of predestination. Now, I keep saying the doctrine of predestination as if there were only one doctrine of predestination. Look at so, the question of predestination. Can you get it over there? And state it in category. Okay, all right, that, that's fine. Church. What, what I wanted to show you was a very young Phil and Carla Hart. Uh, and I would have to tell you who, there we go, there we go. Sitting over there on the far side of the room, that good looking guy right here that you would never know that that's a younger version uh and carla is sitting to my left there you can't hardly see her um but that was in 1990 or 1985 that was a long time ago 
And uh, that is on uh, YouTube, on the internet out there, in the worldwide uh, realm of social media. Uh, hundreds are watching by television. But uh, I just wanted to show you that. Uh, so um, what I, what I want to uh, encourage you to do um, is um, watch this video. It, it's on your link there on your handout. So if you really want to dig in to the doctrine of predestination, there's no better resource that I know out there than these videos by R.C. Sproul. He spent a whole week on this. Um, and I was never more unsettled in my faith than I was after the first night. We got back to the room and I told Carla, I said, if I'd had 10 more minutes in that, I would, I'd have been in tears. Because much like a good Marine drill sergeant, R.C. Sproul tore apart my theological framework and then through the rest of the week rebuilt it to where I've, when I, that uh, conference ended, I've never been more excited about my faith because I understood predestination in a clearer way. Predestination, to put it in um, good old East Tennessee hillbilly terms, is like going into the game knowing that you're going to win the game. I wish that would have been the case on Saturday. It was with Alabama. Yeah, that's right. Alabama knew they were going to win. Yeah, Alabama, Alabama believed in predestination. Tennessee had some doubts, you know. Uh, Tennessee thought the game ended at halftime. But truly, guys, what if, I mean, you're talking about a what if. What if you knew you couldn't lose? How would you play the game? Now, that's a very simple uh explanation of predestination there's all kinds of questions but at the end of the day predestination means we win that's it what what more do you really need to know okay well the rc sproll um videos are a great resource and again that link is there but i want you to pick up your pen and now i've got a couple questions for you in your um, handout, there are the three questions that we use at Deer Camp. Everybody will be familiar with those. Where are you? What do you want? What are you afraid of? That's a great way to journal every day. That's just the framework that we teach at our men's coaching weekend. But the question in addition to those that I want to ask you this morning, just one question. How might you be an agent of change today? Now, that's, that's a little abstract. How might you be an agent of change today? Here's the way I want to make it more specific. Who might you influence today? Who comes to your mind? Who might you be a reflection of the Lion of Judah to today. Who comes to your mind? Phone call this afternoon, a visit, maybe a family member that just needs to hear from you. You may need to apologize to somebody. You know, what I said last night was too harsh. 
You know, what I said last week to that one guy, should have never said that. Who might you influence today? Who? Who is the most challenging person in your life today? Who's your who? I believe God's called us to be agents of change every day. I mean, why are you here? You're taking up space. You know, why are you here? I believe we're here to be influencers of the kingdom. You know, some of you guys, some of us guys in this room have a great opportunity to father somebody today, somebody that's younger than you. A grandson, Phil, right? A grandson. Or maybe somebody that works in your office, a younger guy, somebody that's a neighbor across the street. You know, everybody needs encouragement. There, um, I get this crazy feed. I, I'm like everybody else. I watch crazy video feeds on my YouTube video, you know. And somehow, I don't know how these pop up on your screen, but I've got this one thing that's popping up. This uh, Some of you may have seen this. It's a guy that gets on a subway in, in New York, and he just he sits across from somebody, and he just starts drawing them. Anybody seen that guy? You seen that on your feed? And he sketches them. And I mean, he's... And in a 10-minute subway ride, he sketches this person. And at the end of the subway ride, he walks over, and he hands it to them. And I mean, he is incredible. And, and what strikes me about that is, of course, everybody's closed in on the subway. If you've ever been on a New York subway, you don't look at anybody. You don't want to draw attention to yourself. You want to be as anonymous as you can, your little, your little safe cocoon. And he sticks that drawing in front of them. And, and, and at first, you know, they're like, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't want to give to anything. And I don't want to look at you. And they take that and they look up and they see themselves. And he, I mean, he's incredibly talented in every one of them. Me? Me? Can I keep it? And there's this big smile. We all want to be seen, gentlemen. Even on a subway, we really want to be seen. Who can you influence today? You were predestined to meet that person on that train. You were predestined to be a reflection of a lion to another person. Who is your who? Now, I want to give you a couple minutes to interact with a friend over that. Uh, share, share your who. Share, share who you want to influence. Um, make a new friend. Um, be a who right now. Go. Two minutes.
All right, gentlemen, let me uh, continue on. I hope that little exercise uh, awakens you to just how valuable you are um, to somebody else. You can reach out. You can give a smile. You can give a, a. You may not be able to sketch a drawing of somebody and hand it to them on a subway, but you can reflect uh, Jesus to them by just looking them in the eye and saying, "Good morning." Good morning. Everybody wants that. You know, in my counseling practice, I'm, I'm holding 50 cards before I ever sit down. You know, I know so much about that person before they ever sit down. Now, they're going to show me two cards, and those are their two pain cards. But I've got 50 cards. You know, and 50 cards are things like they want to be listened to. They want to be understood. They want to be seen. They want to be cared for. I mean, my job has gotten easier and easier as the years have gone by because I have 50 cards. Now, when I first started, I had two and they had 50. That was the way, that's a young therapist. You know, he's got two cards, you know. But I don't, you know, I'm way ahead of the game because I'm not nearly as smart as they think I am because I don't have to be. They'll figure it out if they feel heard and understood. Be a lion. Be an agent of change. But here's what we face, gentlemen. Turn over to Ezekiel chapter 14. And you and I are facing in our own life and in other lives major, major heart issues. Major heart issues. Major heart issues. Dear brother told me um, recently that he's facing serious heart issues physically. Um, but we all have heart issues. I mean, God promised in order to make us a lion that he would give us a new heart. And so even in the book of Ezekiel, God addresses in this imagination an evil thing that you know, our imaginations can be used for evil. We can come up with just crazy stuff, crazy stuff. So our, obviously our imagination needs to be checked by God's word. And so uh, God takes this 30-year-old rabbi, Ezekiel, and he keeps giving him these pictures, these imag imaginative slides, if you will, in real life, in real time. And in Ezekiel chapter 14, listen to this. He addresses heart issues. He addresses idols. Some of the leaders of Israel approached me and sat down with me. God's message came to me. Son of man, these people have installed idols in their hearts. These people have installed idols in their heart. What's yours? What's yours? We all, we all, we all are addicts. Addiction, idols, same thing. Idolatry. You know, no, nobody has a golden calf out out in their front yard. I hope. If you do, if you do, put Christmas lights on it or something. You know, call it a Halloween. I'm amazed at how our culture has started decorating for Halloween. I mean, unbelievable. You know. 
Yeah, a month early, you know. Um, why should I even bother with, excuse me, they have embraced the wickedness that will ruin them. They have embraced the wickedness that will ruin them. Now just you know, be careful here before we start pointing the finger at everybody else. You know, how do you do that? You know, it's, it's not everybody else. How do you embrace the culture in such a way that it ruins you? Why should I even bother with their prayers? Therefore, tell them the message of God, the master, all in Israel who will install idols in their hearts and embrace the wickedness that will ruin them and still have the gall to come to a prophet be on notice. I, God, will step in and personally answer them as they come dragging along their mob of idols. I'm ready to go to work on the hearts of the house of Israel, all of whom have left me for their idols. Guys, every day we get up and we examine our heart. What, what, what is my allegiance? I am called, I am predestined to be a lion, right? That's what I want to be. I want to be a lion. I don't want to be a kitty cat for Jesus. I want to be a lion for Jesus. But in order to do that, I've got to repent to change from my idols. That which I give allegiance to way over Jesus. Those are idols of the heart. And what happens is that the source of evil comes from three things. One, we get more attached to things than relationships. By the way, that is one of the primary criteria um, in the DSM manual for a narcissist. Narcissists are more uh, committed to things than relationships. And that's what idolatry is. Secondly, we believe lies, and that's when we have heart issues. We become easily tempted. We believe the lie of what our lives can be if we just take this act. If I just do this, my life will be resolved. No, what the only, if I just do this that makes sense is to bend my knee and be uh, submissive to the Lion of Judah. That's the one choice. And then I become blind to myself. Always remember, everywhere you go, there you are. Everywhere you go, there you are. You, you're having problems in relationships? It might be you. I'm telling you, the hardest person in my counseling practice to work with is the blamer, the criticizer, and the victim. And I can see them all in, in, in one person sometimes. It's his fault, it's her fault, criticism, and I'm a victim of them. Dude, that, that is a miserable situation to try to work through. Hello, my name is Phil, and I'm an alcoholic. And all the drunks at the alcohol meeting say what? Welcome, Phil. Welcome, Phil. Glad you're here. And that, that's what we do at Deer Camp. We welcome one another into the circle of broken men. So powerful. Um, we need to end early today, and I want to go late today. So I'm in conflict. So we're going to end. I'm going to be submissive uh, to ceasefire. All right. I want you to watch a video that's on your notes there by Ray Lewis. Really, really powerful. 
And what I want you to be is an agent of change today. Be the lion. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for our time this morning. Thank you for um, giving us pictures of who you are and who you've predestined us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Clear the room.